Awesome. I am so excited, Heather. I get to talk to one of my favorite people uh, about one of my favorite topics today. Thanks everybody for tuning in to an episode of The Now of Work. Heather Polivka is one of my favorite um, voices, I would say, on people, work, brand, messaging, experience. Heather, I'd love you to introduce yourself to our Now of Work audience. I will say uh, one of my favorite moments with you, Heather, was at an HR tech conference. I didn't prepare you for this. One of my favorite moments at an HR tech conference uh, some years ago uh, was an employer branding session you were leading at the time as part of United Health Group. Uh, and you told a room full of people to sort of, I'll, I'll just summarize, to own your truth, like the good, the bad, and the ugly of employer mm-hmm. brand. Say what you are, say who you are, set the right expectations. Uh, and of course, I've loved following your work ever since. So Heather, welcome to the show. I'd love you to tell people a little bit about your background and experience in this space, if you could. Yeah, thank you. And, and thanks so much for having me. And um, and I'm a member of the Mutual Admiration Society because Jess, I've, I've, I think we found a kinship in that HR tech conference of your voice um, in this space. So thank you and glad to be here. Um, my background actually is as a marketer um, for uh, for a good you know decades, <laughs> and then bringing this uh, sort of consumer centric lens into the HR space with with talent. Um, we're good on the marketing side of you know attracting and engaging and retaining our clients and consumers. Um, we make things easy. We make them actionable. We think about the experience. Um, and so that's really the lens that I brought for a good 11 plus years to um, United Health Group, as you mentioned, uh, reporting both into the chief talent and the chief marketing officer. Had an awesome time and, and got to meet people like you and have a great impact. Um, and then I, I started off on my own because I realized that there's a lot of small and mid-sized businesses, which comprise a large portion of our economy, by the way, and as employers haven't had access to thinking about talent in this way and engaging with talent in this way. And so I really wanted to show up and be a support and resource for small and mid-sized businesses as they think about uh, culture and engagement and retention and how to create work environments where everyone gets to thrive and the business thrives as a result. I love that, Heather. And, you know, that's one of the questions uh, I have been asked a number of times over my career coming from the HR technology, you know, sort of vendor side of our space. It's easy to talk about, well, it's not even easy, but but we tend to talk about big solutions at scale, whether it's technology or culture work or lofty employee value propositions and promises we make around culture. We talk about lofty ideas and concepts and solutions at scale for every employer. When what you said is perhaps the most important fact that most employers are not those big grandiose, you know, yes, there are the Amazons and Walmarts of the world that employ millions and millions, but most of our everyday uh, workers and employers for that matter are small to medium-sized businesses who kind of wonder sometimes, do all of those solutions apply to me? What technologies or platforms or tools can I invest in to help my people that make sense for a company like me? 
And I, I would actually venture to, I would, I would love to challenge that concept that perhaps it's not tools and platforms and technologies. Yes, all of those things are great tool too, um, but maybe just helping managers have better conversations with their teams and their employees is really, we forget to start at the basics sometimes. And I know this is a passion subject for you because you, you literally founded awesome people leaders around the concept uh, that helping managers be actual people leaders is a great place to start. What's the, let's talk about the difference, managers and actual people leaders. Will you kind of walk us through the genesis of what you, you founded, Heather? Yeah, I, what has evolved in our places of work is that managing has become focused on and it's recognized and rewarded upon work that gets done. It's focused on the tasks, the output, and inadvertent, and many managers um, are then managing the work and the tasks and the output, and they're managing the work on their own desk. And what's been lost in that equation is how that work actually gets done. Um, it's had us focus on the, ta the tasks and the output and forget and I would say in some cases, almost think of as replaceable the, for a long period of time, the people who do the work. And we lost the skill um, of being able to lead people in such a way that they grow and they develop and they're um, inspired and energized to bring like, you know, their I had this idea last night to table um, to actually help the business thrive and create a high-performing team. So what we have out in, out in our places of work is we have a lot of managers who don't actually know how to lead people. And that became, a, you know, that was always, that has been true. Um, and especially most of those managers were promoted because they were really good individual contributors. So it's not that they have the skills innately, it's because you know, they were the best salesperson or customer service person um, representative. And so then they're promoted, but it's a different set of skills. And the focus of the role of manager has become on the work and not the people who actually create the work, who deliver the results. And then we found ourselves, so you have managers untrained, they don't have the skills innately or they might, but they need to be nurtured. And so everyone's just sort of making it up the best way they know how to manage the work. And then we wonder why people are leaving. <laughs> and especially the pandemic really showed us that there was a time that, that highlighted the need to show up as a people leader, as, as everyone was navigating these unprecedented circumstances and managers could no longer have eyeballs on the tasks and the output, which made a lot of managers really uncomfortable. Um, and they didn't know how to lead. If I can't see you at your desk, I don't know how to lead you because I haven't actually been leading you. I've been managing the work. And now I can no longer see that. So I don't know what to do. Yes. Oh. That was just a lot that I threw No, that's, <laughs> oh, you, you opened up a vein I love. And that's the notion that we promote people who tended to be high performers yeah. at their own individual contributor job. 
meaning they accomplished goals, they killed their quota, they, you know, produced a lot of widgets, whatever, you know, whatever they were good at in their job, we promote the people who are really good at doing the job, the work, uh, sometimes, and not necessarily looking for and nurturing and developing and then promoting people who would be great people leaders. And that's really important because I think we have the, you just said it, we, we manage work, not people. We manage task lists and deliverables and, um, and we manage to project deadlines. And I know we have to do all of that too. We have to, we exist, you know, to, to do something for the world, to deliver a product or service for the world. Um, but maybe we're measuring the wrong things. I, I can't believe we're still having conversations, Heather, around whose job is people and culture and diversity and experience Mm -hmm. whose job if you own a business if you employ human beings it's top down it's the very top it's everybody's job number one but it's the ceo's job um to to own and define culture and to exhibit the behaviors that make that culture true and real um it's not And then that what happens is the cascading effect. It's not the single, you know, HR leader's job to say, these are the rules of engagement. This is what culture means here. That's an echo, you know, that's a, you know, just scream into a black hole or a vacuum. But if everybody understands and lives and breathes uh, what people and culture and leadership look like inside organizations and then hold each other accountable to that everyday behavior, that's when it has teeth. That that's when it becomes meaningful. So I think, I think again, we sort of we start too um, you know, too much on the on the kind of the ground level, sort of the tactical, and we we sort of forget that that big picture idea. Who are we? How do we behave and operate? How do we support each other? Right, right. Exactly. And then you know, and then we're promoting people into these manager roles. And we haven't defined that for ourselves as a whole company. It's not being led from the top. And so you have managers who they don't necessarily know what that looks like, and they're not given a definition. So everyone's, so these managers are doing the best they can with what they got. And what they got is very little if it's not coming from the top and being very clear about this is who we are. This is what we value. This is how we make decisions. This is behavior we reward. This is behavior we won't tolerate. If there's that, if there, that isn't clear throughout the organization, it for sure will not be clear on the front lines. And that impacts, you know, the, the performance of the team. It impacts customer service and retention. Um, it has a lot of bottom line a bottom line impact uh, to the business and productivity. And then what we're seeing now is the impact it has to the individuals. And that's where, yep, it's easy for people to leave work if all they've been thought about is I'm just someone who produces those widgets versus I'm a being in this company and I'm being invested in, I am valued, I'm being stretched, I'm being grown, I'm being developed. And that starts on the front lines. And that includes the managers themselves. Yeah, I I love that. I think the whole idea, <clears throat> if if we all believed in work, the con- the concept of work, what what is work? What do we all do this work for? But if we believed in work as a vehicle to help people thrive, to help them be better humans, to help them have positive relationships, to find a 
a sense of community and belonging, if we believed work was a vehicle for those things, that changes everything. It changes our whole construct and approach. It allows us to truly put people and their needs first because we believe that we form an organization and all of the systems and programs and things that come along with an organization, we design everything around helping humans thrive. Yeah. Um, and, and then maybe we would get it right. But here we are. So now we have this, we um, this really interesting uh movement. I don't know what to call it anymore. I guess, I guess it's a movement. Um, I don't think it will backslide. I think that we have permanently changed some of our ideals and notions about work permanently, mm -hmm. like our relationship to work, the employment yes. relationships that we form or that we consider to be available to, to people, like literal contracts, yes. um, how we engage in employment and come and go from employment relationships. I think there's a lot more fluidity and and sort of free uh, freedom of access or opportunity that's that's coming about out of this, and that can be a really good thing. Um, but sometimes I wonder how that affects. You know, we still want to build with uh, with each other. We've got sort of like this mass exodus and this huge hiring, you know, yeah. kind of problem. That so so talent is on the move, uh, and maybe that's okay if we've introduced some creativity and freedom and flexibility in how people approach work. Um, but that means that managers have like really have to get it right, perhaps even faster than before, because you can't assume uh, that talent has no better options, has no choice, and they're going to be with you forever. Like you've got to get it right pretty fast these days. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I mean, if you think about it, even before this time, and I agree with you, I, I think it is a it is a movement. I think we're in a, a time of evolution. Um, in the world of work that I'm really excited about. But even before this, number one reason someone would leave their job was their manager. The number one um, driver of any variance between teams in the same company of engagement. So two teams, same company, what, what's the number one predictor of the engagement is the manager. Mm. Number two reason someone will leave a company is lack of growth and development. Well, if you don't have managers who know how to grow and develop talent, then you know the, you can have the best learning system in the world, but it's not going to make the difference in terms of growth and development if it's not supported, advocated, um, and prioritized by the manager. And you know we talk, and I agree. You know we are there to produce results for the business for sure. But there, there's a way to produce those results, like you were saying, that where people can thrive, and quite frankly, it's more sustainable. When you create the kind of work environment where um, people can show up and they're you know, challenged in a really enlivening way, and they get to stretch in new ways, and they know they're valued, and their ideas are thoughtfully considered, um, then that creates more sustainable business results. It, creates a sustainable chain of innovation, uh, a sustainable um, access to profitability versus sort of a short term, let's just focus on how many widgets we did this week. So that's the beauty of this. But to your point, the managers have a very short runway to get it right, or people leaders, I'm going to say, have a very short runway to get it right. And I hope part of this movement is training and empowering and showing 
people leaders that we value what they bring to the table. Because before it was about the work produced by the team and even the work on the manager's desk. But the thing about being a people leader is understanding that you create results through others. So people are your access to success, your access to results. And so companies need to start recognizing and rewarding great people leadership as a way to create sustainable business results. Mm, I love that. And I can't help but think, or like it's hard for me to forget the fact that we also have some pretty big organizational issues like having a, a talent strategy that's that's b- bigger than a than a single people leader or manager or fixing pay inequities or you know creating career path pathing and developmental and micro learning opportunities like there's some stuff that truly is organizational where at the broadest level companies need to say this matters we're making investment in these things, and then the managers can be enabled to deliver those, you know, deliver on those promises, deliver those solutions. Um, but how much in your work, Heather, are you seeing that the managers want to do a better job? They want to communicate, they want to be empathetic, but they they literally don't have, maybe because it's missing at the organizational level, what is our answer for people? I think every candidate and current employee sitting across the table from, from their employer or potential employer right now, if they're not asking it out loud, they're definitely thinking it, what is your plan for me? How are you going to take care of me? How do I know you, I have your back? How do I know I'm going to be treated fairly that all this culture stuff you say is true? Like show me, prove it to me. How, how much do managers really have at their fingertips to be able to act on the things that they want to do, even if the intention is there? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say in some ways, so first of all, I see the desire there. No one gets into being a people leader and says, I want to be that people leader that no one wants to work for. No one shows up to work that way. Um, (laughs) And so the desire is there. I think there are things for sure within the um, scope of impact and influence of the individual manner, manager if given the training and the development of, and support. And there are for sure things that are well outside their scope. Um, an individual manager can work with someone on their growth and development within their team, but an individual manager can't really have much impact or scope of control over internal mobility. Right. Um, So, so I would say that it's both, but I will tell you um, in our awesome people leader program, uh, we, we have managers who were just promoted and there is not development happening within their companies. Um, And so they have taken this on and I see the light bulbs go off. I see them start to realize like one of my favorite stories is um, feedback that unfortunately about uh, three quarters of the people in our program never realized they thought feedback was just someone telling you you did something wrong. Mm. That's the model they experienced and guess what model they were about to replicate. And so when they learned that there's positive reinforcing feedback, what? 
what, what's that? Like I'm supposed to catch people doing something right and doing something well. And I should actually use that four to one over redirecting feedback. And we tied it to brain science. Like, yeah, you want to trigger that reward response, not the threat response. And then people know you're on their side to have them succeed. And what was awesome was to have them come back and go, oh my gosh, that is so much fun to lead that way. Those are the kind of people leaders we need who know that, you know what, it's really energizing to find people's talents and their gifts and to lift that up and to maximize it and to nurture it, that it actually is very enlivening to them, but it's also enlivening to you as a people leader. So I know that, I know the desire is there. And with the support and training and development, I know that our people leaders can get there. And to your point though, Jess, that would make a huge impact inside of a lot of organizations, but it's not gonna be the whole solution because there are talent strategies and internal mobility and succession planning and um, so many other things that come into play, um, pay equity, um, that the individual manager would have no no say over. So it has to be both a company, the company has to be thinking about these things, about how do we create an environment where people get to thrive, um, and then supporting managers to then deliver on that within, you know, within their team and the people who report to them directly. But I'd also say the people that they interact with, that they don't, that don't report to them directly. It sets a model for what it looks like to be a people leader. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous in the current, uh, and I, I don't even call it a talent shortage. I think there are, I think there's a great misalignment of, of talent to opportunity. There's a great shifting of labor in uh, the strangest market we've had in decades. So there's like this huge churn and mismatching. Um, yeah. And it's like, we're sort of blind to the talent that's available to us and how to attract and retain um, people who might not who might not be knocking on our doors or who might not be in obvious pools where we're used to looking for them. But, but here we are, we're all calling it a talent shortage. And I'm, I'm worried that we'll rush, we'll rush to get butts in seats again. We're, we're, you know, high competition for talent. And we're probably going to put a whole lot of managers into positions to try to lead teams. Like everybody's going to be new to each other. And I, I'm worried that we might rush and make some, we, we don't have sort of the luxury of saying, how do we identify, nurture, develop, and, and really, you know, kind of empower these people leaders so they can then do that for their people. Um, and so I'm sure there are a few, I, I love, you know, sort of that immediate like tools and education and resources to, to set managers up for success so they can ask good questions, give positive, constructive feedback, create room for healthy conversations, address burnout and how are people doing and wellness, um, but really giving them the ability to act on those conversations and those feedback loops as well. Are there some kind of like really good basic places for people to start? I, I'm sure that's baked into some of your approach um, yeah. as well. Yeah, I do think there's, um, so this may seem interesting to people, but one of the places I start with with managers is a very basic um, aspect of brain science because we're leading humans and we all have brains. <laughs> and there's part of our brain function that reward response and threat response. 
And it's so foundational to so many things. Like why is recognition so important? Why does it play such a strong role in engagement? Well, because it triggers the reward response in the brain. Um, that's why understanding those two kinds of feedback are so important and why you want to leverage the positive reinforcing more because, again, it triggers the reward part of the brain. And part of what, you know, we needed to do always by nature of our position as, quote unquote, the boss, um, but also because it's work and we're dealing with people's like livelihood is to mitigate the threat response because when people are operating out of fear, they can't show up and collaborate and problem solve and innovate. And so part of our job is to, is to keep people out of threat response in their brain and it helps. That's such a powerful foundation for people leadership that I don't think we spend enough time talking about. And it's actually the place we start because it then has the tools of recognition and feedback and, um, and everything else make more sense as to why it's important and why that pulling that lever will get you further than thinking that, oh, people should be happy they have a job. <laughs> so that's one of the basic places I start is, is a bit of brain science. And then also understanding to what we were talking earlier that going from an individual contributor to producing results from others is actually one of the biggest leaps that people make in their career. And yet, I know for myself, I just thought it was like the next promotion. Not that, <laughs> not that oh, now I'm producing results through others. Oh, and the way that I, mo I am motivated individually does not mean everyone else is motivated that same way. And oh, you know, there's a lot of ahas that come in that leap. And yet I don't think we recognize the leap from individual contributor to people leader as the huge leap it is. So those are the two places that I start is the leap and brain science. I love that. You know, I've, I've been sort of um, uh, holding myself accountable a little bit. So one of the buzzwords I think to come out of the last year or so is this idea of a whole person approach to work, people first, you know, workforce experience, employee experience. Um, we've been, and leap gen too, me, myself included, we've been sort of paying uh, lip service to the, a very human message when it comes to work. And so my way of kind of holding myself accountable uh, to make this concept real is to do a better job. And I think we've done it here today to do a better job of saying what that really means. When you mm -hmm. talk about putting people first, putting people at the center of your business, your programs, your strategy, your even your technology strategy, your business goal, like everything you do should ask, what does this mean in terms of the people I employ? Mm -hmm. um, and so giving real concrete examples of what a people first culture experience, um, business strategy, you know, sort of environment looks like. And I would put this manager enablement and leadership development would be one of those examples. When you are a people first organization, when you take a whole person approach to your organizational strategy, this is what it looks like in practice. And a big heavy bullet point would be around this concept. Help your managers be, be leaders. And, and, and I think we use the term leader too loosely too. There are 
leaders, organizational leaders, and then there are sort of the everyday people leaders who have who have to sort of like march to the you know to the greater mission every day and and help their teams do the same. But I I think it's one of the best examples we can give around. Um, you know, when, when you say you put your people first, when you say your culture is all about, uh, uh, all about the pe people thriving and doing their best work as part of your organization, it can't be true unless you're doing the following things. And I think your message is, is, is right up there at the top of the list. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I love how you're like the, the people at the center and how does that happen? And what support do people need? You know, as we're talking about these various strategies, you know, what are, what will be their fears and concerns? And how can we implement this in a way that, you know, minimizes or mitigates some of those fear or concerns and, um, and that supports them in that transition? These are the kinds of conversations that need to be happening, having as we're making decisions, as we're rolling out, um, uh, a new strategy or, or new approach is, is having those people at the center and the very human um, reactions and no, normal reactions that, that people may have um, in terms of, you know, fear or reward. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, it, it's interesting to me as I dug into this space to discover that you know, managers are a primary touch point. People leaders are a primary touch point of your brand and your culture. And yet only 30% of them get any training, development, or support, 30%. Mm. And that 30% is either compliance and technical related, um, or the way it's delivered is all like, you know, from the fire hose as though they're not in a new role and, and, you know, on a vertical learning curve enough and not just in time when they need it. Like the micro learnings that you referenced earlier and the just in time, it's that, um, it's that support as they're on a journey to lead people, but it's a, it's a higher risk journey because they impact and touch so many other people and that impacts and touches your customer. And so I agree with you uh, to call to say that we're a people first and a people centered organization. If you don't have a successful means of developing and supporting your managers, then it is a tough claim to make because you're not taking care of one of the primary touch points for your people. I think that's the mic drop of the whole episode, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I got like, yes, yes. Oh, such a pleasure having you as my guest. And as we're recording this, it's like holidays, everybody's stepping away to refuel and celebrate and spend time with families and come back into the new year with, uh, you know, hopefully like fresh uh, kind of vigor and energy. And, and I can't wait to see what we do in 2022. I think it's going to be uh, I think we're going to see the needle move on a number of things. Um, and that's why this conversation was so timely for us to have right now. Heather, thank you so much for the work that you do and for championing such a great mission and platform. People, awesome people leaders, can't think of a better name for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for having me today.